Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. There you go all day. Baby, baby. What's up, Facebook family? Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose. With me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Hope you guys are doing fantastic. Thought I'd get my intro music back on point. Uh, one of our Evolution members, Tracy, just posted a little picture um, of her, her little boy. She, has, uh, she shared a video of him before, but uh, I guess the school assignment was... Uh, how to use big in a sentence. <laughs> and, and, and his answer was, I know how to use big in a sentence. I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. So I hope you guys are doing fantastic on this whimsical Wednesday. Hello, Megan, and hello, Hillary. Hillary's still using her phone, even though she dropped it in her soup today. But there you have it. So yes, on this Homeschool Wednesday, hope you're having a fantastic day. Um, Just thought I'd pop on here and chop it up with you real quick about why we cease to give affection. This is very important, and it happens consistently. Number one, the giving of affection is a conditioned habit. You have to get into... You just no different than breathing. When I'm always talking to you guys about slowing down and breathing, you have to do the same with affection. And let me tell you why, because a lot of times we don't think about it. The reason is because your skin holds as many sensory receptors as your brain. So when you become stressed, one of the very first pathways that you shut off is the pathway of touch. So when we become stressed, we shut off our touch pathway. And when we shut off our touch pathway, guess what? We don't want to receive affection, nor do we want to give it. Not that we don't need it, not that it doesn't feel good when we get it, but our automatic unconscious reaction is to not see touch. Now think about this. If you're a family and all of a sudden... (laughs) Hillary says it's fine now. Hello, Johnny. Good to see you. And hello, Ashley D. If you're a family and you guys are under a lot of stress, as a lot of our families are, and then you have, so there's two parts to this. So number one, if you're a family and you're under a lot of stress, your sensory pathway of touch is going to be shut down. You're not going to want to give affection. You're not going to want to receive affection. That's just automatic. But here's where it gets even trickier. The more stress, the more it activates your own blueprints for affection. Because the more you get stressed, the more your amygdala releases cortisol, the deeper into the brainstem the memories get stirred. Those deep brainstems are your own parenting memories, your own parenting blueprints. So for those of you who had parents who were really affectionate, then that blueprint typically turns on and you're still able to give affection stressful situations but for those of you who did not have parents who were really affectionate when you get stressed it is not your first conscious act to seek affection or to receive affection so then your blueprints get turned and you really don't give affection then it's not because you don't want to it's not because there's 
necessarily a lack of love, although love and fear cannot exist. Love and fear cannot coexist. So where one is, the other is not. If you're stressed and your blueprints are turned on, that means you're in a state of fear, which means you're in a state of survival, which means you do not want to be touched because it literally can feel painful. Those of you who have autistic children or those of you who have children with sensory, sensory integration processing issues, you know that those children oftentimes don't like touch. It's funny. Just the other night I was over spending some time with a family and the little nine-year-old nine boy in the family He's on the spectrum, and sometimes when I'm visiting, I'll touch him. I'm always kind of testing to see what he likes and what he doesn't like because a lot of times children can't. They can't tell you. So a like a back scratch for some of us feels fantastic, but for some of us it doesn't feel good at all. So last night when I was over there spending time with him, he was standing in front of me at one point, and he was talking to someone else, and I was sitting down, and I just wrapped my arms. I was talking to his little brother, to his big brother. I wrapped my arms around him, and I really squeezed. Like I, just, like I didn't give him a squeeze and let go. I just like boa constrictored him, just like a python, and he just stood there. He stood there for probably 10 seconds before I felt any movement, and then I just released... And then I think I squeezed him one more time after that, which is, which is interesting because shortly thereafter, we did story time in his room, and he just was really super regulated. But I found out from that one, just from being attuned and just through testing and checking, that he really likes that hard squeeze and doesn't even realize it. And I have another little buddy who's 10 years old, and we play, he loves to play, and um, when we play, he likes a lot of sensory stimulation. So we'll run while well, he actually runs. I try to walk, walk in a fast way as I'm panting normally. He likes for me to pick him up, spin him around, throw him on the bed. And then he likes me to grab him. And I mean really firm, just like whether it's his stomach or his chest and just rake and squeeze and turn his back over and rake and squeeze and push. And he just, I mean, he just laughs and laughs and laughs and jumps up and we just do it over and over and over again. And he likes to just be thrown up. He wants me to throw him up more and spin him around more. And all that actually mimics the in utero experience. So it becomes reparative at that really deep brainstem level when we do it. So when you can get to that level of understanding what your child's affection needs are and even what your own affection needs are, for those of you who are adults, who are married or who have partners, ask your partner, ask your spouse, what, what form of touch feels good to you? Like make a conscious effort to know what feels good and give that good touch. Because a lot of times we may touch, but it doesn't necessarily feel good to the person who's receiving it. And it's very important if you're going to extend yourself to demonstrate affection that you know what that affection is. And so when we become stressed, we start to regress. And when we regress, hey, Gareth, good to see you, buddy. Hope you're doing well and holding up well. When we regress, we shut off those affection pathways, and then we get into these conditioned patterns 
where then we're not giving affection to our children. And affection can be one of the most direct ways to turn on oxytocin, which is your brain's anti-stress hormone. The 22nd hug is the single greatest way to release oxytocin in the brain. More powerful than anything else, more powerful than massage, more powerful than sex, more powerful than a bubble bath, more powerful than music, more powerful than food, more powerful than eye contact, more powerful than smiles, a 20-second hug. So that's a lot of sensory experiencing, and it releases oxytocin. So all that to say, you get stressed, you take your deep breaths, and extend and provide some affection. Now, not all children are going to want it. Not all are going to be able to receive it. But slow down and just think, because I want you to build up to it. I want you to think, how can I begin the process of being affectionate towards my child? Some of, the, some of you who have teens, you know, maybe your teenager doesn't want you to touch them. Start by thinking, how can I be affectionate? Don't let being affectionate and li be limited to just touch. If someone can't receive touch, you have to come up with other more creative ways to be affectionate, and then you grow into it. You grow into that touch. And then sometimes it's just a matter of making such they do the 20-second hug. Fantastic. You count real slowly. starts to match your breathing. It is amazing. Good for you, Megan. Sometimes... You just do a drive-by a drive -by affection, You a, a drive-by pat on the back. I do that a lot with little kids. A drive, and when I say little kids, I could be talking about a 17-year-old teenager. A drive-by arm squeeze, a drive-by head rub, a drive-by a drive back scratch, you know, a, a drive-by side hug. Is any, it, it's just so important that you become conscious and you become mindful and you do it especially if you're in a home with a lot of stress because the child who tends to be the most dysregulated is the child who needs the affection the most and is getting it the least. So when you've got a child who's been really, who's really chronically dysregulated and really stressed out in your home, that is the child that you are actually going to want to be the least affectionate towards, but is the child you actually need to be the most affectionate towards. So keep that in mind. I hope this is helpful. Again, affection, affection, affection. Remember, in any given situation, we always have three choices. We can continue to react from our same blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or we can stop, we can slow down, take three to ten deep breaths, and choose love. Patrick says, good stuff, Mr. Post. Thank you, brother Pat. All right, you guys, have a good evening. God bless you. Big Papa loves you. I'll see you tomorrow.